We're going to be turning to Luke chapter 11 here in just a moment. So if you want to turn with me to Luke chapter 11, and I'm going to get to that text here in just a moment. Luke 11, uh, verses 5 through 8. Verses 5 through 8. John Ortberg is a Christian writer, and I would commend pretty much any of his books to you. He's just a wonderful Christian writer and pastor and, and certainly thinker. Actually uh, discipled or studied under Dallas Willard and preached at Dallas Willard's funeral. And John Ortberg, in his book, uh, The Life You've Always Wanted, tells a story about a time that Tony Campolo, Tony, Tony Campolo is another Christian writer, and time that Tony Campolo, the college professor, popular speaker, and author, was about to address a college chapel service. Several men from the school gathered with Tony for a time of prayer before he spoke. They circled, knelt, laid hands on him, and began to call out for God to bless their speaker. Bless their speaker as he speaks. Campolo shared that his men prayed a long time, and as they prayed, they grew tired and started leaning more and more on Tony Campolo. Their prayers were earnest, but their weight was getting too much to bear. On top of that, one guy was not even praying for Tony. He was praying for someone named Charlie Stoltzfus. Dear Lord, you know Charlie Stoltzfus. He lives in that silver trailer down the road a mile. You know the trailer, Lord, just down the road on the right-hand side. Why was the man praying for Charlie? Tony was a speaker, not Charlie Stoltzfus. In addition, the Lord already knew where Charlie Stoltzfus lived. They didn't need to tell the Lord, did they? Lord, the man continued praying, this morning Charlie told me he's going to leave his wife and three kids. Step in and do something, Lord. Please bring that family back together. Finally, the prayer time ended. They had a great chapel service, and Campolo headed home. Just as he was merging onto the Pennsylvania Turnpike, He noticed a hitchhiker on the side of the road and decided to give him a ride. As they rode along, Tony introduced himself. The man stuck out his hand and said, My name's Charlie Stoltzfus. Capullo could not believe his ears. What are the chances? At the next exit, Tony left the interstate and turned the car around. As he returned to the interstate, Charlie said, Hey, mister, where are you taking me? Tony said, I'm taking you home. Why? Campolo said, because you just left your wife and three kids, right? The man was stunned. Yeah, 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 you're right, I I did. He moved over against the door and never took his eyes off of (laughs) Campolo. Then when Tony drove right into the guy's yard, that really did it. Charlie's eyes bulged out. He said, how do you know I live here? The Lord told me, Tony said. He did not explain how the Lord told him. (laughs) The trailer door threw open and Charlie's wife ran out. You're back! You're back! Charlie whispered in her ear what happened. The more he shared, the bigger her eyes got. Coppolo then said with real authority, The two of you sit down, I'm going to talk, and you two are going to listen. And he laid it on, and they listened. That afternoon, Coppolo helped... Those two received Jesus Christ as Savior. And that was the start of the healing of a marriage. Now, is that a coincidence that Tony Campolo happened to pick up that particular hitchhiker? Or did God answer the praying man's petition 
to step in and do something. James 5.16 reads, The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Prayer unlocks divine power, heaven's blessing, and God's answer. How many of our coincidences are really answered prayer? By the way, isn't it interesting because many of you, many of us, have probably been in prayer meetings and we think, why are they praying for such and such right now? Well, Tony Capullo was in a prayer meeting where he thought, why is he praying for Charlie? And God was about to step in and do something. Something that might have seemed random at the time was used of the Lord. Today, in the sermon series on scriptures that I've been convicted to pray. You know, when I began the series talking about spiritual leadership in the home, and I wanted to end the series talking about persistent prayer. And as I talk about this, I want to re-emphasize, you know, I've been challenging you just as I have been challenged by the Holy Spirit to pray the scriptures. The emphasis on this sermon series is not about any prayers that I pray. It's about scriptures which God, have, God has laid on my heart to pray for my children and grandchildren. And we are praying the scriptures. We are praying the inspired word of God back to God. You can actually memorize scripture by praying scripture. Certainly petition your needs before the Lord and pray your heart to God. But pray spiritual prayers, pray biblical prayers, pray scriptures to the Lord. I remind you once again that when the devil came and tempted Jesus, the devil himself tempted Jesus, Jesus responded not once, not twice, but three times with the Bible. Pray the scriptures to the Lord. Today, though, my theme is to pray persistently. Pray persistently. And I want you to look at Luke eleven five through 8. Luke eleven five through 8. Let's read this passage. It says, Then he, that is Jesus, then he, that is Jesus, said to them, Suppose one of you has a friend and goes to him at midnight and says to him, Friend, lend me three loaves, for a friend of mine has come to me from a, from a journey, and I have nothing to set before him. And from inside he answers and says, Do not bother me. The door has already been shut, and my children and I are in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend, yet because of his persistence, he will get up and give him as much as he needs. And, you know, the translation I just read that out of says persistence. Some translations will say impudence, and we'll get into the differences in wording them. But Jesus teaches us, challenges us to pray persistently. Can we all say that? Say persistence. Everyone say, pray persistently. How are we to pray? We're to keep on going to the Lord and pray persistently. Not to give up. Keep on praying. So let's get into this. In context, Jesus has been teaching on prayer in this passage. The disciples saw Jesus praying frequently. And so right now, they had asked him to teach on prayer. In verse 1, it mentions Jesus praying. And then the disciples asked him to teach them to pray, teach them to pray. In verse 1, it mentions Jesus praying, and the disciples ask them to teach them, and then it, he says, going from there, do people, actually I'm going to jump from there, I'm sorry, do people know you as a prayer warrior? Now I want to be careful in saying that, because we don't pray to be seen by others, do we? We don't pray to be seen by others, but 
Are you known as somebody who's a praying person? Are you known? The disciples knew Jesus was a prayer warrior. They had seen Jesus praying. They asked Jesus to teach him to pray because they were frequently seeing Jesus pray. And I want to ask, do your children know you as a praying person? Do your grandchildren, do your nieces, your nephews, uh, do they know you? Do those that you mentor know you as a prayer warrior? Do they, do they know that they can come to you and ask you and you're going to pray? They know that that's what you do. Are you a praying person? Jesus taught the disciples what we call the Lord's Prayer. Then he gave some illustrations. Persistent prayer is emphasized. If you look at verse 5 right here. You look at verse 5. And he said to them, suppose one of you has a friend. And that friend goes to him at midnight and says to him, friend... Lend me three loaves. Lend me three loaves. The friend comes to him at midnight. How many of you have friends that come to you at midnight? Sometimes I get the occasional call at midnight, but I'm of the age where I'm usually asleep or going to sleep at that time. That was sarcastic. Okay. I am usually going to sleep at that time. But don't hesitate to message me if you really have an emergency at midnight. This friend had an emergency at midnight. He needed, he needed some loaves of bread. He needed something at midnight. There's a book which I have, which is just great reading. It's called Night and Times Past. Night and Times Past. A few years ago, I saw a History Channel documentary about night in times past. And the, and the History Channel documentary kept referencing this book. And so I bought the book. And it talked about the way our views of, of darkness have changed. Our views of nighttime have changed because of electric lighting, because of electricity. Night has been a scary time throughout all of history. There was a fear of robbers and a fear of people breaking in, a fear of, a fear of, uh, of smoke and killing you in the night from the fire, a, a, a fear of fires in and of itself, uh, you know, catching your house on fire in the night. Nighttime was a scary time. Traveling at night was very scary because uh, certainly people uh, trying to rob you, but also slipping and, and falling, tripping over roots or, you know, tripping and falling into a stream or certainly animals and things like that. Night has been a scary time, but the other thing that this book got into is historically people went to bed earlier. And they got up earlier. And historically, people have these sleep rhythms. And they really would get up in the middle of the night and do things. <laughs> because you went to bed earlier because it was dark earlier. And you may have slept later. So you might be up at midnight because you had been asleep already for four or five hours or longer. Well, that's what we see here in, verse, in verses 5 and 6. This neighbor comes to his house. The neighbor says that he has a friend who's on a journey. The friend has stopped by and the friend needs some food. What's he to do? He can't go to some 24-hour location, can he? I mean, they don't have Denny's. They don't have Taco Bell. Supposedly, the only time you go to Taco Bell is after dark. I like it any time of day, though. Anyways, they don't have 24-hour restaurants. And hospitality in that day and age was extremely important in the Middle East. They don't have hotels either that they could just stop at and stay. Hospitality was very important. And in the Middle East, even in this day and age, hospitality is still very important. So this friend comes to him. Friend, lend me, th lend me some loaves of bread. I have a, I have a guy, a neighbor, that's, uh, a relative that's come to me. Verse 7 shows the neighbor's reaction. He answers from the inside. He doesn't even open the door. 
He says the doors are shut, my children are in bed. Back then they had elaborate locking mechanisms, and it would take in a, a great deal to unbolt and open the door and then relock it. And by the way, also, one source tells me, tells me that all the family was sleeping on mats in the same room. And an attempt to open the bolted door would have awakened the whole family. So I don't know how old their kids are, all the families asleep, though. But I do know that if you have babies and they're asleep, you want to kill anybody who wakes that baby. <laughs> so this man might have been quite upset that somebody would even knock on his door in the middle of the night. The baby's crying. His wife's trying to get him to sleep. And he's saying, go away. Go find somebody else to disturb in the middle of the night. Kids are asleep. But verse 8 is key. Look at verse 8. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give him anything, because he is his friend, yet because of his persistence, he will get up and give him as much as he needs. How are we to pray? Persistently. Because of the friend's persistence, or some translations say shamelessness, or some translations say impudence. Because of his persistence, because of his shamelessness, because of his impudence, he will get up and give him what he needs. This term translated persistence or shamelessness or impudence has the idea of a lack of sensitivity to what is proper. This man has a lack of sensitivity to what is proper. But because of his lack of sensitivity to what is proper, the neighbor will eventually give him the bread that he needs. And get this, this is the example Jesus gives us for prayer. This is one of the examples Jesus gives us for prayer. We are to pray shamelessly. We are to pray persistently. We are to pray with a lack of a sensitivity to what is proper. Keep going to the Lord. Do we to believe that the Lord can help with our various needs? Do we? Amen. Do we believe that prayer works? Amen. Keep going to the Lord. Go to the Lord persistently, shamelessly. How are we doing with prayer? Let me give some applications. Think about this in the sermon series. This sermon series has been about praying scriptures. And when we pray, are we praying spiritual prayers? Let me, let me say right here, what is most important in our prayer life? Is it the physical felt needs or the eternal needs? I believe strongly and passionately that the eternal needs are most important. But I believe that way we live reflect that we believe the physical felt needs are the most important. We could jump from prayer to something that's more applicable and maybe more real to our life. How frivolously do we hold our devotions and our spiritual disciplines and even our church attendance? You can ask any youth pastor the excuses that we hear out of youth group. I have homework to do. Well, usually that's just time management. I'll just be blunt. We have something else. And, and usually parents are the ones making the excuses. If we really believe that the eternal is what's most important, then we want our children and our grandchildren to be in church, which includes Sunday school and Bible study and, and, and other various activities because it's about being disciples. 
And it's really not the church's job to disciple the children. It's the parents' job to disciple the, the children. The church is called to come alongside. But youth group's got to be about Bible study. And it is about Bible study here. Sunday school, Bible study, junior church, children's church, uh, Wednesday, night, Wednesday night Bible study and prayer meeting. And how frivolous are we with these things? What do we believe is most important? Eternal needs or physical felt needs? Is God not in control of your work? Oftentimes we hear, gee, you know, I have to work. I have to get things done in the house. I have to. Listen, if you are doing that, your children are going to see that. And when they grow up, they're going to be out the door of the church too. Because they see. I had this opportunity for a fishing trip, so we skipped church. I had this opportunity to, uh, to get my, my, cut my grass, so we skipped church. And I, I'm just giving examples, and they're real examples. But what is most important in our life? Is it the spiritual and the eternal? Or is it the physical, the felt needs? Our example speaks loudly, <laughs> loudly, that to most of the Christian community across the United States, it's not the spiritual, it's the physical felt needs that are most important. Now, the Bible would teach us the opposite. The spiritual is most important. But that's not the way we live. That's not the example we give. And you talk to me, and I talk to myself occasionally too, and we'll say, why are children leaving the church? Why are people leaving the church? They're just following the example they've seen. They're just following the example of priorities. And so I want to encourage you and challenge you as I close this sermon series that you prioritize the spiritual needs in your life and in your prayer life. The most important thing you can pray for is the eternal need. Secondarily, pray for the physical felt need. Pray for good health. Nothing wrong with that. If you have a financial need, pray for that. Nothing wrong with that. If your car is broken down, pray for that. And then talk to Art Cunningham. And uh, God cares about that. Uh, But definitely never pray for those needs above the eternal spiritual need. The spiritual is what's most important. Pray that your descendants know Jesus as Lord and Savior. Pray that you and your children and grandchildren are active in the church. Pray that you and your children and grandchildren are active in the Word, in the Bible. Pray that they pray. Pray that they are active in the spiritual disciplines. That's daily devotions. And pray that for yourself, too, that the Lord would help you with that. Pray the passages which which I preached on. And maybe you have other scriptures which you've been convicted to pray. Maybe you have other scriptures that are near and dear to your heart. Pray those. Pray the word of God back to God. Prioritize the scriptures in your prayer life. I have some tips from the book A Praying Life. There's a book titled A Praying Life. And it says this. If you're not praying, then you are quietly confident that time, money, and talent are all you need in life. Here are seven simple suggestions for how you can spend time with your father in the morning. Number one, go to bed. Go to bed. What you do in the evening will shape your morning. The Hebrew notion of a day as the evening and morning, see Genesis 1, helps you plan for prayer. If you want to pray in the morning, then plan your evening so you don't stay up too late. The evening and the morning are connected. Get up. Number two, get up. Praying in bed is wonderful. In fact, the more you pray out of bed, the more you will pray in bed. But you'll never develop a morning prayer time in bed. Some of my richest prayer times are at night. I'll wake up praying. But those prayer times only began to emerge because I got out of bed. This is what that author wrote. Number three, 
Get awake. Get awake. Maybe you need to make a pot of coffee first or take a shower. Number four, get a quiet place. Maybe a room, a chair, or a place with a view. Or maybe you do better going for a walk. Make sure that no one can interrupt you. Number five, get comfortable. Don't feel like you have to pray on your knees. For years, I was hindered from praying because I found it so uncomfortable to pray on my knees. Number six, get going. Start with just five minutes. Start with a small goal that you can attain rather than something heroic. You'll quickly find that the time will fly. Number seven, keep going. Consistency is more important than length. If you pray five minutes every day, then the length of time will slowly grow. You'll look up and discover that 20 minutes have gone by. You'll enjoy being with God. Jesus is so concerned. Jesus is so concerned about hanging in there with prayer that he tells his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. In Luke 18, verse 1. Which really corresponds to the parable we talked about today. We tell ourselves that strong Christians pray a lot. If I were a stronger Christian, I'd pray more. Strong Christians do pray more, but they pray more because they realize how weak they are. They don't try to hide it from themselves. Weakness is the channel that allows them to access grace. This writer says, and this is really neat, I'm not referring to well-known Christians. An interviewer once asked Edith Schaefer, author and wife of evangelist and philosopher Francis Schaefer, who is the greatest Christian woman alive today? She replied, we don't know her name. She is dying of cancer somewhere in a hospital in India. And I love that. How are we to pray? Persistently. Jesus tells us that parable to encourage us, challenge us to pray persistently, shamelessly. And I want to challenge you, pray the scriptures, pray spiritual prayers. Don't put the physical felt needs over and above the spiritual needs. And live a spiritual life. Be a spiritual role model in the home. I've talked about that throughout this whole series, and I'll probably talk about that through my life of ministry, that we are called to be spiritual role models. And it doesn't end once your children go up and get out of the house. It ends the day we die and go to be with Jesus in heaven. Do you know Jesus as Lord and Savior? I'm sure that some of you here may be questioning your faith in Christ. Do you know Jesus as Lord and Savior, and are you living for Jesus? I'm not asking. I know I repeat this a lot because it's important. I'm not asking if you said a sinner's prayer someday. I'm asking, are you surrendered to Jesus? Is Jesus Lord of your life? Are you striving to make Jesus Lord of your life? Do you organize your affairs around Jesus? And you'll mess up. You'll fail. We all do because we have a fallen nature. But then we repent and we move on. Are you repenting? Are you living with an attitude that Jesus is second in your life? Do you know him as Lord and Savior? Jesus said that anyone could come after him, but he's got to deny himself and take up his cross. Jesus calls us to deny self, take up cross. That means we're willing to die daily to live for Jesus. Are you dying daily to self to live for Jesus? Are you dying daily to self to live for Jesus, to let the Holy Spirit live in your life? Let's pray right now. Lord Jesus, I ask that you help us to live for you. And if there's people here who do not know you as Lord and Savior, which only you and they would know, Holy Spirit, I ask that you would prick their hearts so that today is a day of salvation. 
And today will, be the, today will be the day that they confess they are a sinner and need a Savior. And you are the only Savior. Today will be the day that they believe that you are the way, the truth, and the life. And only by you, Jesus, do we go to the Father in heaven. Today will be the day where they trust in you and commit to you. Jesus, I pray that we will surrender all to you. Lord God, whatever is in front of you in our life, may we surrender it and live for you. Whether it's making money or earning money, whether it's a, a really, really bad habit or addiction, whatever it may be, may we surrender it to you and make you be Lord of our life. Lord, help us. We can only do that by the Holy Spirit's power within us. Lord Jesus, help us to have a praying life. Help us to pray persistently. Help us to pray shamelessly. Help us to keep on praying and not give up. Help us to model that in our life and in our family. Help us to be spiritual leaders with our children, grandchildren, and so on. And if we don't have children, help us to be spiritual mentors to nieces, nephews, or friends, and so on. Pray your blessings and care and your help. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you.